Uh, so if you got your Bibles, you can go to Matthew chapter 5. Um, and uh, as you're turning there, uh, I'll read you a little bit of um, a little uh, article that I read this, uh, this past week, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, it says, a newspaper columnist uh, named George Crane told once of a woman who was full of hatred towards her husband. Someone counseled the woman to act as if she really loved her husband, to how much to tell him how much he meant to her, to praise him for every decent trait, to be kind, considerate, and generous whenever possible. Then, when she fully convinced him of her undying love, she'd make her move and file for divorce. Right? Give it to him. So with revenge in her eyes, she said, that's perfect. I'll do it. And so she did. But guess what happened? The more she demonstrated the sacrificial love toward her husband, the more she began to actually love him. And at the end of a few months, divorce was the furthest thing from her mind, right? And some of you might know some kind of stories like that. Um, and that certainly can't happen. And God is the God of impossible things where he could do that. And so that's a little bit of what we're going to be talking about this morning as far as revenge, payback, retaliation. Um, those are things I think that most of us might be familiar with. I don't think I'm really going out on a limb, right? Assuming that. Uh, some of us might be very intimately, uh, uh, you know, related to that. So we're going to talk about, like, revenge, retaliation. Like, is it okay to get back, you know, as a Christian? Um, are we supposed to be, like, just pacifists? Where maybe that, you know, we should just be, like, uh, have peace all the time, no war, no violence at all? Um, what does turn the other cheek actually mean? What does it really look like? Um, how are you supposed to really do that? Is there a place for us to really defend ourselves? Or are we called really not to do that at all? And so we're going to look at some of those um, topics and themes this morning uh, at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, because uh, that's where Jesus is. And so let's turn there. So Matthew chapter 5, um, verse 38. And uh, again, we're picking up in the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is where uh, Jesus is there. And he's given really his first message to really a big crowd. And he's, what he's doing is really setting the record straight as far as like how we're supposed to act before God and what the posture of our heart should really be. So we pick up um, in verse 38. And Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, Eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And in 43 he says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so you can see what we're going to get into here today. Um, and... And I think maybe one glaring 
um, well, maybe before that. I think that if you were to ask most people, you know, how should Christians act, you know, in interpersonal relationships, um, as far as like conflict and things that come up, you know, most people would say, oh, you know, Christians have to be nice, you know, and, you know, they have to be patient and they have to be loving. And so I think, you know, most people probably give that answer. And so, you know, how deep can you really go with that? Well, I think it matters maybe in a couple of areas. I think there's like two domains, kind of like two areas that we have to look at. Like interpersonal relationships, you know, me and you, you and your friends, you and family, just kind of one-on-one. And then there is like national, like governments and like nations, you know, with them. And so when Jesus is on the Sermon on the Mount here, like who is he talking to? What is he really talking about? You know, should we, you know, as a nation, is it ever wrong to, like, declare war on another nation, you know? Or if somebody, you know, comes after us and tries to attack us, you know, do we have a right to defend ourselves or do we, like, turn the other cheek and, you know, pray for them? You know, how does that work? What is that really going to look like? And so Jesus is going to bring a little bit of clarity um, to that. So he starts off by saying, You have heard that it was said, Eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. So, in your bulletins, right, one of the questions on there, right, we always have those questions in your bulletins in the beginning there, you know, that are just uh, kind of there just to kind of get your your juices flowing. It says, get the juices flowing for this morning, right, in the bulletins right there. Uh, And one of the questions on there, I think, was about Hammurabi's Code, right, and you might remember that from high school and whatever year that was, Hammurabi's Code, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth type stuff. Um, Similar aspect here. So, but Jesus is not referring back to Hammurabi's Code, He's actually referring back to the Old Testament, right? Because what we're trying to get here is context. Context. Go ahead, say it with me. Context. Context. Because context really matters. And when you take stuff out of context, right, it gets kind of all twisted and convoluted. It can maybe make it say something you don't want it to say. And so that's why a lot of people say, hey, listen, read the verses that are before, read the verses that are after, get a true picture. And I think maybe you never uh, see that so clear as when maybe like um, a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon comes to your house, you know, and if maybe you let them in, I don't know. Um, I like to let them in and then they never come back again. Um, actually, but you know what? That's not true. One time uh, we did have um, some uh, Mormons uh, come to the house and, and we weren't living here. We were living in Orange and uh, they came by. We kind of told them our whole deal. This is before... You know, we, we, we were just in the beginning stage of planting a church and kind of just getting stuff ready. And so, of course, you know, I was like, hey, you know, let's talk about the Bible. Because it's rare when, you know, they come and you're home too, right? Because they kind of come during work hours. So for whatever reason, I was home. I was like, yeah, come on in. Um, and so, you know, they just get into it right away. You know, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? Blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, we get down to, did Jesus ever talk about hell and you know, is, is Joseph Smith like a real prophet? And so we get all to the nitty-gritty stuff. And, you know, they pick and choose their places in the Bible where they want you to go because they have the message that they want to say. And so if you find the verses, you know, that you want to say it, well then, hey, it looks pretty convincing. Unless you understand the context, right? So the context. And so that's like the big struggle with them is sitting there and getting the context about everything. Um, and so, he didn't come just that once. He didn't come just twice. They ended up coming like five times, I think it was. They came five times. Um, and it was a pretty good relationship. And then, when we, they got word that they were going to leave, because what they do is they kind of go. When they're the right age, they go out. Oops, sorry. They go out um, 
on missions trips, and that's why they go door to door when they're at that age, uh, and then they're there for a while, and then they move on to the next area. And so I think it was after the fifth time, um, got a phone call from him and uh, from the elder who was like 18, you know, it's elder, I forget what his name was now, it's like Elder Sam or something, so that was weird, you know, I'm older than him, but he's the elder. So Elder Sam calls up and he's like, you know, it's Elder so-and-so, and uh, he's like, hey, listen, I just wanted to let you know we really appreciate, you know, you meeting with us and talking about the Bible and getting into things. Um, He's like, we've never had that experience before. And he's like, well, you know, we'll, we'll keep you in our prayers. And I said, you know what, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. I said, I'll keep you in uh, my prayers as well. And, um, and then we, we talked a little bit more, and that was pretty much it. Um, but that was like one of the rare times that they actually came back. And, you know, I actually got a sense that maybe even they cared about us, maybe even a little bit. Because sometimes when you go door to door, it's, it's tough to generate that relationship right away. And they're obviously there on some type of agenda. So pretty interesting anyways. Um, but I don't know how we got from Hammurabi to that. But eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Okay, that's what Jesus is talking about. And so we're not talking about the code of Hammurabi, but he's actually talking about the Old Testament because we're talking about context, right? Context. So he's putting this into context. So here's what it says in the Old Testament. It says, If anyone injures his neighbor, whatever he has done must be done to him. And I put these verses up here so you can kind of see what Jesus is talking about, what he's referring to, because you might get some insights. So if anyone injures his neighbor, whatever he has done must be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he has injured the other, so he is to be injured. Right? So that's from Leviticus, the Old Testament. It's like Jesus is referring to here. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Also from Exodus 21. Because this law is in multiple parts of the Bible in the beginning. It says, if men who are fighting hit a pregnant woman. Right? This seems kind of random and bizarre. And, And there's a reason for that. I'll explain it. If men who are fighting hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Right? Basically, you know, tit for tat, that's the way you do it. So he's not really referring back to like Amurabi's code, but really the old Testament. Now, here's the context. Here's the part that's really important. And we could miss this. And we just look at that and say, oh, well, I guess that's kind of the way that maybe we should handle things. Not necessarily. Like, this was given to, I guess we could think about it today as God or Jesus telling the police how to handle crimes. Right? you got to remember, this was a whole new society of people. This is like three million people. And they were just they're all in the desert and they're all together so now how do you do stuff like what do you do when somebody commits a wrong to somebody else how do you handle that who do you go talk to what should be the punishments what you know how do you handle that type of thing and so this law was actually given to those judges who would actually administer the punishment so he's saying listen if a crime happens and that's why you read these strange crimes about somebody fighting with a pregnant woman like what where is that coming from you know um uh, and other ones, they talk about an ox falling in a hole. And like, there's all these random things. But what they're trying to do is develop a system to where there's like some kind of accountability, some kind of penalty for if something goes wrong. This is not intended, right, it's really important here. This is not intended to be in like interpersonal relationships. One glaring illustration, I think, would be like in marriage. 
Could you imagine a marriage or any serious relationship where it was like, well, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I remember you said that you were going to pick that up because I told you before. And then they don't. And then you go back and you do something else that you know that they don't like. And then you keep like this running tab, this running tally. Who doesn't know what I'm talking about? Of course we all do. Like we all know what we're talking about. Especially when you feel like you've made yourself kind of vulnerable. And you've put yourself out there. That's when it becomes very difficult. And that's when you really want to hold on to the whole eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth thing. Well, I said, and I thought I communicated it clearly, you know, and then it hurts even more if, like, they did it on purpose. You know, maybe sometimes they made the mistake and did the thing you asked them not to do, uh, maybe, maybe by accident, but when you know they did it on purpose, that only hurts even more, right? So when Jesus is talking about this eye for an eye, this tooth for a tooth, actually in context to judges. Here's how you uh, administer penalties for crimes or things that they're doing wrong. Not necessarily for personal relationships because what happens is uh, if you do that, we get into this battle over here in in regular relationships. What's the score? Who's keeping score? Who's doing what? Who didn't do what? And then if, man, if you try and live like that, oh boy, that is rough. And, And that was like not the intent that was not the intent behind the law of what God was giving. The intent behind the law of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth was, hey, listen, if somebody does something wrong like this, okay, then you have the right to do that. If they do something wrong here, then you have a right to do that. And you pay the crime accordingly. And so the question is, well, okay, like, then what are we talking about here? What does Jesus mean? How is it going to mean to me? Well, we'll get to that um, in a little bit. So, to further explain his point, okay, he looks at the eye for an eye, the tooth for a tooth, but then he even breaks it down into other illustrations that they'll understand. For us, it's not that easy to understand because we don't live in the same society. So it's, like, it's kind of different, kind of strange. He's talking about cloaks. He's talking about turning the other cheek. Um, so what's going on here? So he says, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. There's the tough one, right? Um, that is a tough one. And, and in, your, um, in your bulletins there, I think the bonus question for getting the juices flowing, I think the bonus question was, um, is it biblical for uh, Christians to be pacifists? Right? And you can look at that, and I'll let you think about that, because this is not really this morning the time to really you know, debate that or get into that. But it's cer- certainly something worthwhile to think about. Because brothers and sisters that we have in Christ, like Mennonites, Armenians, or you know, Amish people, you know, they would say, absolutely, absolutely. So you can, I'll let you think about that. And that, this, is, this verse right here is kind of where that, that's where they're strong, and that's where they're really referring to. So it's something to think about. But Jesus says, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. So what is that all about? What is that actually meaning? All right. Well, what it really means is that at that point in time, um, you know, a slap on the cheek was more like an insult. It wasn't an insult necessarily in a way to really start a fight. It was like an insult like... I don't know, what would you compare it to today? I guess maybe the closest thing compared to today, I'll give you two comparisons, um, would probably be spitting in someone's face, I guess. It's kind of a stretch, but it's kind of sort of like that. 
but I guess maybe you know one more that maybe we could relate to those of us that can drive um, is uh, you know that finger that flies out you know when that does happen and I don't know how you react you know when that happens um, but he's saying you know turn the other cheek you know don't let that easily anger you um, and so the question is you know why again why is he saying this stuff and also just a side note you know I just heard uh, or read something the other day you know about turning the other cheek I think I heard it in the song he's like listen I'm a Christian I'll turn the other cheek but I've only got two you know so in essence hey listen there's some kind of limit there and you know you want to watch what you do but again I want you to think about why why is Jesus saying this why is God maybe asking us to treat people this way especially if they've wronged us why so think about that why we'll get there in a minute why would Jesus ask us to do that why is he asking us to live like that I think it's a worthwhile question to ask says, and if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And that's kind of the way they were dressed back then. Uh, your tunic was kind of an undergarment. Your cloak was kind of the outer garment. And he says, listen, if that stuff happens, uh, you know what? Even go the extra mile. That as well. Why is God saying these things, right? What's he doing? Why is he saying this? Again, think about that. It says, if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away. Turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles, what is that about? So again, it's about context, right? And at that point in time, in that day, it was, you know, this was a Roman society. And, you know, um, these Hebrews were living under Roman rule. And it was extremely common. And it happened quite a bit. You know, when these Romans were carrying around all their armor, whenever they had, which could be, you know, 40 to 80 pounds or so. It was a lot, and it's hot back then, and, you know, they're walking around in sandals, and they got to go long distances. And if they see you or they see me on the side of the road, and they're pretty beat and tired and thirsty and hungry, say, hey, listen, you, come grab my stuff, pick it up, we're going. And you had to do it. And you had to do it. And you're saying, hey, listen, when that happens, you know what, don't just go one mile with them, go two miles for them. Because right then and there, you have a captive audience Right? You have a captive audience, and who knows how you might be able to influence them or how you might be able to show Christ's love to them. Take advantage of that opportunity. So again, why is God doing this? Why is he talking about these things? Well, here's what I think. I don't know. As you thought about the why, I'm not sure what you have arrived to in your head as you're thinking about, why would God ask us to like act this way and sort of resist this and turn the other cheek and... It does kind of seem like and sort of sound like that maybe we shouldn't defend ourselves and it's just like a big mushy circle of a bunch of Jesus nice people who like never get offended. And how realistic is that? Well, here's what I thought. I think that Jesus is explaining these ways to handle offenses. Right? Spitting in, in, in your face, people insulting you. Because he wants to prevent immediate violent reactions to insults. Right? Does that make sense? Jesus is explaining these ways to handle offenses because he wants to prevent immediate violent reactions to insults. Now, I personally have a very embarrassing story for this, but you probably don't want to hear it. So we'll go on to the next part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So a personally very embarrassing story that I think illustrates it really well. And then we can all get up and share them so that way I feel better. Um, 
but I think that uh, when I was uh, in college, first couple of years in college, I was 19 years old or something like that, um, I, and let, let me make myself try and look good. So maybe I was having a bad day, and uh, I was really hungry, and maybe I didn't sleep a lot. So uh, yeah, it might have been raining out. So we were driving uh, past a restaurant, and uh, I, I don't really know, <laughs> I don't know what got into me, but we're driving by, and uh, there's, this, there's this guy in the window, and he's just like staring at me, which is really like mean, just kind of grilling stare. And I'm like, and, and I kind of shrug my shoulders like this, and he's just staring, you know, and then kind of shaking his head. <laughs> and so I could turn the other cheek. I could just like not respond to that offense, right? I could do that. I should have done that. But what does the clown do? The clown, as the car is like kind of moving in the parking lot, opens the door gets out, walks inside, confronts the guy. Yeah, I did this. Comes inside, confronts the guy. Hey, what are you looking at? What is your problem? Like, what am I thinking? I don't even know what's going through my brain at this point. Like, honestly, this is how bad it makes me look. But, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm no perfect person at all. Um, and then, you know, he's like, nothing. I'm not looking at anything, you know. And so then we look like, you know, two idiots standing in this restaurant looking at each other, like, chest puffed out, you know, just being a dumb 19-year-old. Like, just stupid, stupid stuff. But I think that really illustrates um, the point of, you know, whatever kind of offenses that handle in life. And we're not talking about wars on nations now, right? Here's the difference. You know, somebody come and, comes and attacks you, you know, something similar to like a 9-11 or something like that, I think you've got to respond. But if we're talking about stuff like interpersonal things and a smack on the cheek and a spit on the face and somebody talking about, you know, whatever... I think as Christians, the call is to prevent immediate violent reactions to insults. Like we should be that people. We're like, we're long-suffering, we're patient, and we understand that there's more at stake than me just getting revenge or getting you know, my honor back or something like that. That stuff just really doesn't matter very much. And that's like the point that Jesus is really trying to make. And probably you know, and I know, both Christians and non-Christians who have this really short fuse and it really doesn't take much to set them off. It's like almost nothing. And it's like, oh my goodness. Like, especially for the Christians, um, it's like, really? Like, have you experienced, you know, God's forgiveness really in a real way? Do you know what it means like to be patient? Like, these are fruit of the Spirit things. And as we come and grow together in Christ and we have the Holy Spirit, um, it hopefully, you know, tames that and big, makes us aware of it and God would give us an ability to handle it. So, that's what I think Jesus is really trying to show us here, is that, listen, whatever offenses that we take and what happens, and let's be honest, for most of us on a daily basis, it's really, you know, minor offenses that we could either choose to make really big, or can put them in the right place with Jesus and with God and just say, you know, I'm really tempted to do such and such right now, or I want to think this way about them, or, you know, we could do that, and that's what we should do, but a lot of times, you know, it just doesn't always work out that way. And so I think that he wants us to prevent immediate violent reactions to insults. Just be patient, loving people. And who knows, maybe like the woman in that story in the beginning, you know, they might even come around. And that's the hope. But the question still remains, um, I think, of why is he telling us to handle insults this way? Is it just like, to be nice to other people? Um, is it... <laughs> at times you might think he just wants to make your life more miserable. Like, what is, 
what is the deal? Like, why is he asking us to handle responses like this? Are we just supposed to get walked on all the time? Like, what kind of respect do you get out of that? How does that work? I think it's a good question. Well, I think there's two reasons. At least that's what I came up with. Two reasons of, I think, why he wants us to respond like that. First one is, we lack the ability to restrain ourselves from administering fair vengeance. For example, if someone wrongs you in some way, shape, or form, I would venture to guess that you probably want to get back at them and like not just get back at them, but get back at them in a way to where they really are going to pay. So where they think about it the next time. Right? You really want to like go after them and really say, hey, listen, that was wrong. I want you to know it was wrong. And maybe I'll give you a little bit extra so that way you'll remember for the next time. I think a lot of humans probably have that struggle and could maybe relate to that. And that was kind of the point of why God put in place the whole eye for an eye, the tooth for a tooth thing. Because especially, like, if there's some kind of crime that happens, or, you know, if somebody comes out and, you know, you put yourself in their position, comes out and kills your ox or something, that's like part of your livelihood. I mean, if that's like your family and part of your livelihood, I don't think you're just going to go over to their house and just kill their ox. You might want to kill their ox, take three of their chickens, you know, take their table, their cloaks, and like ten other things, right? So the law was like put in place to kind of restrain because God understands like how much that, you know, we could lose it. So that's my first reason that I think. What's the second one? Well, I think if we read on, we'll figure it out. So let's look at verses 43 through 48 again. He says that you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Um, But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and says rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, why? Well, we lack the ability of restraint, certainly for one thing. But I think the other reason is like what it says right here. Jesus emphasizing the part that says, hey, listen, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? So that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. And I think that's like really the crutch and kind of the point that we're getting to here is because if we really truly believe in like this God that does impossible things, and if we really truly believe that we are Christians and God lives inside of us, and if we really truly believe that He is capable of doing anything and working in any circumstance and situation, if we really have that faith, then I think that we would also believe if we just flood them and just overwhelm them with Christ's love, and leave the vengeance part up to him and let him deal with that, the hope is that we would actually reflect the way Jesus lived in some way. And maybe some kind of miraculous thing might happen in their heart. 
because we're not really here like if we if we're Christians we're not really here to sort of get our own vengeance get our own retaliation that's like that's not our deal that's for God to deal with and for him to handle with we're here made you know by God and for God to do his purposes to accomplish what he has for us and to hopefully reach people for him like that's really the goal sometimes I think the revenge and like vengeance part can get a little bit self-centered to where we just want to restore our our dignity back but that's just not really the case that's not the point because he says love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father in heaven so that we could really truly reflect this is what Jesus said to the disciples you know before he left he says a new command I give you he says love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Right? And I think that we've probably all heard it been said that people will tell we are Christians, um, you know, by the way that we love people. I mean, that's really how they're really going to tell. Um, our goal is the model that Jesus set for us. And here's what Peter writes himself, because he was part of this. He saw, he walked with Jesus, he saw this. So the model is, 1 Peter 2.23, when they hurled their insults at him, right? When Jesus was there, um, and, you know, right before he's going to be crucified, just insulting him, mocking him, you know, covering him with a robe and saying, prophesy, you know, who hit you, you know, and putting a crown of thorns, just really ridiculing him. I mean, this is taking a whole spitting in the face thing to a whole nother level. Like, it's just bad, ugly scene, you know? Um, and it says he did not retaliate, right? Did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive him, because they don't even know what they're doing. Oh my goodness, like, Lord, help me, like, get to the point where somebody insults me and offends me, and my response would be, God, they, they don't even know what they're doing. I just pray that whatever's in their life, I don't know what happened in their day. I don't know, like, what happened to maybe a friend of theirs or what news they might have heard. Maybe that's coming out on me. I don't know. Can you imagine responding like that on, like, a, like one out of ten times? But, like, that's what we're called to, and that's part of the supernatural life that a Christian should be living and experiencing. And as we surrender more and more to God, right, as we spend time with Him, and as we read in the Word, and as we stay with Him, He'll actually empower us to do that. But that supernatural life and that kind of miracle you don't hear a lot about. You just might see sometimes. And you just might notice. And maybe you've been around people that maybe do stuff like that. And it's not because they're super people. It's because God is really working. And it's just in a very subtle way. Preacher, or preacher, pastor, I've heard before, you know, God does, uh, you know, a lot of things supernaturally natural. Or it just happens in such a way where maybe you don't even notice, but it's like still amazing. So the model is when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Father, forgive him. They don't know what they're doing. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Right? And that's the other part of it. Where we just have to like take those offenses, take that stuff, because if we hold on to it, let's be honest. I mean, if you just stuff those feelings, because that's not a way to deal with it either. Um, some people are just afraid of conflict, and so they won't deal with it. And some people will read that as, oh, wow, they're really patient and nice people. But they don't know what's going on in the inside of that person. And at some point in time, they're going to explode and lose it. And maybe you've seen that before. 
Um, that's not exactly what Jesus is talking about here either. He's not saying just take it and stuff it and just, you know, be nice to the world. Take that stuff when people offend you and uh, give you a hard time. Take that, almost play hot potato with it, kind of like, and give it right back to God. And love your enemies, right? And pray for them. Like, that should be the reaction, right? An insult, an offense, you're probably upset, hurt, frustrated, uh, a whole mix of emotions. But the, the idea, the key, then that hopefully I do, tough stuff, hopefully you do, hopefully we don't sit there and sit on that stuff. We almost like hot potato that thing, whew, pass off, right to God right away. That's the idea. That's what we want to do and that's what God is asking us to do because He wants those feelings and emotions and at the same time, believe it or not, He loves those other people that offended us more than we do and He wants to work in their lives too. So, I don't know. Does God want us to be people that are just, you know, pacifists and never stick up for ourselves? No, I don't think so. I think we're called to defend ourselves. And I think that if you look in the Bible, there's even a point that supports that. You know, when Jesus saw that people were taking advantage of God's temple of prayer, and they were just using it as a marketplace to make money, and they were just hiding it behind, oh, well, uh, you know, people have to come here and get sacrifices anyways, but they would charge a ton of money and make a lot of profit. Jesus saying, what are you doing? This is not the point of this. And he went in there and, you know, he flipped the tables and he made some whips and, you know, and kind of went after people. That doesn't sound like a turn-the-other-cheek type action to me if you, if you ask me. I think at some point you've got to defend yourself, certainly at times. But the focus for this is like when we have insults and offenses due to us, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, here's how you handle it, right? Number one, you, you know, your idea of being fair and stuff like that um, maybe isn't all that accurate. And secondly, you know, God wants to handle these things and He wants to be a patient person. Because who knows what might happen to their hearts if you actually pray for your enemies. I mean, honestly, I would never say, you know, raise your hand and answer this, but like, let's say out of 20 offenses, how many times have you actually really prayed for your enemies? Oh boy, that's sad for me. I mean, it's just, I mean, honestly, do I really want to pray for them right away? No, not really, not at all. But that's kind of the calling to do. And if that happens, we could maybe even see some type of miraculous action take place. But unfortunately, we don't open the door enough sometimes to even see that. We don't even give God a chance to work in that situation. So, why don't we, maybe we can close maybe in one more song? Maybe, with, uh, He Knows My Name, maybe? Maybe not. Okay, so let's close in prayer. <laughs> So let's, uh, we'll close in prayer here. Um, and why don't we stand? And so God, we just um, come before you, Lord, um, knowing deep inside of our hearts, Lord, how we tend to handle offenses and insults. Um, and probably more times than not, we're not proud of it. And probably more times than not, it's not in such a way um, that you're asking us, Lord. You're asking us to clothe ourselves with meekness, Lord, with humility, um, with love, God. And so, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would bring to our minds, bring to our attention um, the times when we have an opportunity to pray for our enemies, Lord, and to put those 
uh, insults and offenses in the proper place, which is in your hands, God. Give us that ability to do that, Lord. Help us to shine brightly in that way because we know we live in a world where people just want to respond right away for something as minor as a traffic incident, Lord. And so God, help us to also understand the line between that and defending ourselves when we have to, Lord. But certainly, most importantly, Lord, let's just uh, put those things in your hands, God. So God, as we go out this week, I'm sure that there probably are uh, some challenges awaiting us. There might even be some enemies awaiting us, Lord. We pray, Lord, that hopefully we can try and handle them in a way that, that you've set, Lord. And so God, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name.